you are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Thursday, May 11th, and we have another episode here for you today. It's going to be a good one, Uh, so however you got here, we appreciate it. We are on Spotify, YouTube, and Amazon Prime Video if you want to watch the show. If you want to listen to the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, Amazon Music. But we have a fantastic lineup today. Uh, So a little NFL schedule release that comes out later tonight. All of the team schedules. So now we're going to start looking into the future a little bit. Who beats who? A little bit of our um, divisional predictions. Can't wait. Where we go through team by team, go through the entire schedule, break it down what we think is going to happen. So we're going to start the show with that. In the to to finish off the first segment, we'll have hits and misses like normal. And then in the second segment, we're going to grade NFL draft. Uh, so we'll go through yeah, like different teams, get like, some grades out. Like off-season acquisitions. Like, like look at your total off-season from the time the, the, the season ended last year yeah. to right now. So draft free agency, give you give you a little grade action. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look at the whole full picture thing. And then we'll have news and then uh, possibly a little discussion to finish up. Depends if we have the time, but uh, if not, you'll get a lot of that next week. So just a lot of stuff to talk in the NFL. We're not really pressed for time at this point. Uh, we were talking before yeah, we, we got came time. on today. We got 16 weeks now. So last week was 17. We got 16. 16 now until NFL kickoff. So is that week one or is that preseason? That's that's week one. Okay. Preseason is obviously before that. We don't care about that. Uh, and then, of course, eight weeks before the season starts, we will have our first divisional prediction. I can't wait for that, and that's something we always look forward to every single year. I'm excited. I'm um, excited. But the schedule comes out today. Yes, first of all, I have a mustache. You guys get one comment. <laughs> you get to rip me one time. And we're moving on, all right? Look, this person it, gets one comment. If I know anything about on. YouTube comments or comments anywhere, it's, it's, not gonna yeah. it's not going to be one. It's not going to be one. It's not going to be one. That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, you mentioned schedule release. This is like the first step towards our divisional predictions, right? Because everyone asks me, you know, I'm a little bit of a nerd, right, with the schedule release. I love it. I think I think it's super important. Uh, people ask me, like, oh, what do you think of teams? Like, how many games are they going to win? I don't know, right? We need to see the schedule first. <clears throat> The NFL scheduling is meticulous, right? I mean, like, for example, last year, the Browns and the Panthers. Nobody wants to watch that game. No. But week one, when Baker's starting against his former team, that's his first game against the against the Browns in week one. Captivated. That one I'll put on, right? If that's in week 10, when both teams are four and six or worse, I don't really care. That's not a game I watch. Right? So the NFL, Russell Wilson, and Seattle. Going back to Seattle for the first game of the year, right? The thing, the thing got a huge number. Didn't help that it was absolute mayhem at the end of the game either, and everybody talked about it for the next two weeks, right? The NFL knows what they're doing. And a lot can change based on your schedule, right? So, especially being in Pittsburgh, everyone, well, what about the Steelers? I need to see the schedule, and I'm talking just in division. I'm, I won't even get into the, out of the division right now with Pittsburgh, right? For let's, let's go through Pittsburgh. What if they get Baltimore late like they did this past year? Lamar hasn't played a full season in, what, three years? If they get Baltimore, because they had Baltimore, what, like 13, and then they had a bye, and then Baltimore in 15, I think. Or maybe they had a game in between. doesn't matter. They got Baltimore two out of the three weeks, and they were both later in the year. Well, if that's the case, Lamar could be hurt. 
OBJ is coming off an injury. He's been injury prone. Rashad Bateman has yet to put together a full, complete season. Zay Flowers was hurt in college, could be hurt in the pros. So if we get Baltimore week 12 and then again in week 16, there's a good chance we're playing Tyler Huntley and practice squad guys. That changes things. I think if they get Baltimore early, Lamar with a vengeance, all these new weapons that are that are young, energized, ready to go, eh, it could look a little bit different. Especially if we get them like on the road early, could look a lot different. How about like Deshaun Watson, right? If you get the Browns a little bit early before Deshaun starts to get on a roll a little bit, because I think we think Deshaun's going to be a little bit better, right? He takes, what, two years off? So he was a little rusty. He was a little rough. We think we think Deshaun's going to recover at some point and at least get back to B to B-plus quarterback. I don't think he ever really returns to like A, A-plus. I don't think he's going to be MVP of the league ever, that, that form of player. But could Deshaun be B-plus and be a menace on the ground? Absolutely, he could be. But if so, if you get him in week 9 or 10 when they're really, really rolling, ooh, that's different. Maybe if we get him early before he's on a roll or maybe late he gets uh, banged up a little bit, that's also different. You mentioned well, we have the Niners. Yeah, the Niners. We, are they at home? We have the Niners at uh, home? Yes, they're coming to Akershire. So, so we have the Niners at home. And you were like, ooh, like early? I don't know. And I'm like, no, no, no. Actually, I'd prefer them early. I don't know if you guys remember. The Niners like frequently start. You'll look up. You'll be like, wow, through seven weeks, they're three and four. What's going on? Like great coach, really good offensive line, nice defense. And then next thing you know, they rip off like 12 straight into the one seed. Right? So if we get them early, right, we don't know if Brock's going to be back and how healthy is he going to be in the first couple weeks. Uh, maybe they start Trey Lance or Sam Darnold until Brock's ready in week, I don't know, five or six. So you get them early, especially at home, I like our chances. Right? We get them, I don't know, December? Ooh, rough. Let's go like Green Bay, for example, with a young quarterback. Schedule release is very, very important. They play the entire NFC South. If they get them early while Love's still getting settled, oh my God, that's beautiful. That's be- If you can go to Atlanta <laughs> early in the year with Jordan Love, hey, guy, terrible defense. They drafted a running back in the top 10. Go win the game. You don't even have to, you don't have to score a bunch of points. Go give me 24 points. That's a dub, right? Bryce Young, when he's still getting settled, we get him early. Oh, beautiful, right? Green Bay's culture, run game, defense, offensive line will win that game single-handedly. Jordan Love, don't crash the Mercedes. So the schedule release is very, very important for Green Bay. How about Jacksonville? I think Jacksonville, in that division, has a chance to win enough games to be the one seed, right? Kansas City and San, uh, not San Diego, I guess, L.A., the Chargers, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. Who knows if either of them are going to be able to get a, get a one seed, right? Uh, I mean, even the worst team in that division, Vegas, is still a probably a second-place team in the AFC South to the Jaguars, probably, right? So the Jags, in that division, could win enough games to be a one seed if... Again, they get the Niners early. They, they play the Niners. If they can get the Chiefs late. We know the Chiefs early on. Terror. But I mean, late in the year, Houston took them to overtime last year, right? Like, later in the year, you can get a couple breaks. It's almost like they're hiding stuff for the playoffs, resting a couple guys, a little bit more cautious. They can get the Panthers early again while, while Bryce Young's still settling in. Now the Bucks either early or late. I wouldn't want them in the middle of the year because I do think they'll, they'll catch a little bit of the... They're not devoid of talent. But if you get them early with either a young quarterback or whoever they're going to start a quarterback, still learning the system, that'd be good. Or either late when they've given up hope because they've only won three games, right? So if the schedule breaks right for a couple of these teams, you could look up and be like, oh my God, the Jags are the one seed. Or like, if it doesn't break right, you're like, oh my God, Pittsburgh won five games. Like, how does that happen, Right. The schedule is very, very important. It'd be easy to just be like, oh, we get them at home, we get them on the road. Oh, perfect, win, loss, win, loss. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. You have to look at, oh, 
they start in Seattle and they're coming all the way to Carolina after a, a divisional primetime game the week before, well, that's that's a really tough game. We know Seattle's a better team than Carolina. But if they have San Francisco on Monday night football, so they have one day less rest, and then they go back to Seattle, and then they got to fly to to Carolina for like a, a, a 1 p.m. game, not even if they play Carolina, but that's just an example. For a 1 p.m. game, that's Carolina's football game, right? So the schedule can break a ton of different ways. I'm very excited for it. Don't overlook it. The NFL is meticulous with it. It is very, very crucial in terms of guessing wins, losses, um, and what teams are going to be for the season. Yeah, uh, timing is super important, and this is a huge timing league. You see it with trades. You see it with moves uh, and games, right? It's, yeah. It's a big factor, and I think one of the one of the best teams to look at as an example of that is Pittsburgh. Now, you look two years ago, the uh, the Steelers start the season beating the Bills. Okay, uh, yep. if the Steelers play the Bills at the end of the year, there, what happens? Uh, let me tell you, the Bills trounce Pittsburgh. Uh, right. How about the the do- uh, what was it? The double doink or the doink this season or this past season in Cincinnati? Yeah, uh, the Steelers week one go in and beat Burrow and the Bengals. What does that game look like later in the year, or if we see them in Not the playoffs? Not very good. Not very good for Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Uh, so you see that a lot, and, and it really just comes down to how that schedule plays out. And like you said, the executives at the NFL are so smart. Uh, they really know how to make the most captivating, interesting product for television, uh, and they do it really, really well every year. I don't expect anything less this season. Uh, but nevertheless, schedule release today is going to be great. Couldn't agree more. Let's get into hits and misses. All right, hit number one here. <clears throat> we said when the Giants overpaid Daniel Jones, I said, everybody else in that roster now has a ton of leverage. Like, watch out. Here comes the avalanche of everybody else wanting to get paid. Because it's like, yep. if you're going to give Daniel Jones that, and it was very, very clear that we all as a team, right, like if, we, if we're on the team, right, we all elevated him to be able to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Without us, he's nothing. This team is nothing. They have all the leverage, right? And what do you know? You look up, Dexter Lawrence is getting the bag. And I like Dexter Lawrence. He's a really nice defensive lineman. But he gets four years, $90 million. He's getting paid as a top three defensive lineman. He's closer to like five or six. Yeah. Certainly very good. I'd pay him a good amount of money, a little bit more than, than I'd like. And if you start paying, you're like, oh, well, it's a little bit of an overpay. With a little bit overpay here and then a little bit there when their left tackle needs paid. And it adds Saquon up. gets a little bit more there. It's like... Team could get really thin really quick. We called it when you overpay Daniel Jones. This is what happens when you give great money to average quarterbacks. We said this with Dak as well. We said it with Kyler. Like, look out. Yeah. It could get ugly. It adds up. Those little overpays, they all stack up. And then when you want to go make that signing, when you want to go get that free agent to to surround Daniel, you can't. You can't. And and I think we were talking about this earlier in the week. who was going after Daniel Jones? What team in the NFL, when he I don't was get that. Get, like up for being signed, was like, you know what? We need to sell out for Daniel Jones. That guy is top of the league. We need to pay him whatever we can to get him on the... You don't have that discussion about guys like Daniel Jones. No, no, the Giants had all the leverage and they still lost. <laughs> like, how, how does that happen? Um, all right, miss number one here. I thought the Warriors were a championship team. I love Steph Curry. I like, I like Clay. I think the team that usually shoots better... Uh, wins. It's a shooter's league. That's usually how it goes. You put the ball in the basket more, you win games. Uh, they have no answer for Anthony Davis's size, though, whatsoever. None. Uh, the Lakers are long, athletic, can rebound, play really good defense. So, tough matchup for the Warriors. Not looking good for my pick. It's okay. I'm not necessarily known as a basketball guy anyway, so I'm not going to put too much on it, but still hurts nonetheless. No, yeah. I've, I've caught more games of that series uh, this year than... 
than I, I really have ever. Yeah. And it's kind of apparent, especially at the end of that game on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, when or, yeah, it was Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just the Lakers kind of took control there, and then they were up three with like 15 seconds, and and AD locks down Steph. Yeah, and there were just a couple missed shots, and and when Steph misses a three in the last couple seconds of the it's game, tough. you know it's not going their way. Yeah, it's tough. All right, hit number two here. Uh, I remember when the Buccas were on fire and everyone was like, oh my god, they're going to win the World Series. And I said, <laughs> like, shut your mouth. Like, t- take a deep breath. Young teams drift off as the season goes on, right? They yep. regress back to the mean. Uh, what do you know? They lose seven straight, right? <laughs> they get swept by the Rays. They get swept by the Blue Jays. Um, now, I mean, Mitch Keller put on a hell of a performance. What was that, Monday? Um, so, look, they're going to beat bad teams, right? That's step number one, right? If you're talking rebuild and getting back to, like, a playoff-level team, Step one is, can we beat the bad teams like we should, right? Can we go to Colorado and set a record for the most runs in a series? Yeah, because you should. Colorado sucks. Yeah. Like, when they come here, should Mitch Keller go at least seven strong? Yes, he gives you a complete game, right? We're doing what we should against bad teams. We're not at the level yet where we can beat a good team, right? We were competitive against the Rays, which was good to see. Yeah. But we're not on that level yet. Just take a deep breath. Everybody, oh, they're winning everything. Now, they are still in first place, which blows my mind. But, uh, yeah, definitely regressing back to the mean a little bit. Yeah, and this is something that I've been saying. Uh, when everybody jumped on the, you know, the Pirates are going to the World Series and they're going to play the Rays and it's going to be a battle. Yeah, oh, World Series preview. Um, I was like, get out of here. Uh, yeah, it's a, little, it's a little much of a stretch, especially at this point in the season. We talked about it last week. It's a long year. We've been through a little over a, a, little over a month of baseball. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you still have to go through all the dog days of summer. You still have to go, you know, battle all the way to October. And by that time, who knows what the division looks like? Who knows what the playoff race looks like? You don't even know what your roster could look like by then. Yeah. I mean, we already lost O'Neal Cruz. So when he comes back in, what, four or five months? Sure. Uh, who knows what it will look like by then? Who knows who else will be out and what our pitching staff will look like? Sure, our bullpen was good to start, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good all the way to October. Absolutely. Mr. number two here. Uh, I didn't see the hype around the Ravens and, like, the, the pieces they added um, on the outside, right? Like, I think OBJ's fine, but he's more of a two or a three on a championship team. He's coming off an injury. They give him a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Bateman's always been a little bit slight, like a little bit a little bit of a slighter build. He's been hurt a bunch. He comes back. Uh, Zay Jones was hurt in college. Are we sure he's going to not get hurt in the pros? Um, but everyone's high on them. I Maybe maybe we miss. I don't know. This is, like, a kind of a, a maybe miss here, right? Like, I need to see it, but I don't get all the hype. Everybody else is having them as like a top 10 weapons room in the league. I don't see it, but maybe I'm crazy. Well, they have the, I think they have the potential, but it's just if everybody can stay healthy, which is super against what the Ravens have been recently. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, And yeah, Zay Flowers is definitely a concern. Is it just me or do they sign every undersized person that they possibly can? Like they don't have a they don't have a big frame, stay healthy. Yeah, they don't have a dude that goes up like, 50-50 jump ball down the field. They don't have it. No. And I think that's something that you need, especially in the AFC North. I think that's something that's super important. Yeah, I mean, they have the tight end, which is good. Mark Andrews, he's a really nice player. But, yeah, no, I agree. They don't have, a, like, a big possession guy. Like um, like a Mike Williams for uh, for Justin Herbert in L.A. They're, like, yeah. big possession guy. Third and ten. 
nobody's open, play breaks down, throw it up to Mike Williams. He's going to come down with it 50% of the time or more, right? Like that, yeah. you need one of those guys. And especially like Mark Andrews, great tight end, but he's not exactly a lock either. I mean, we know that no. game that the that they lost to the Steelers, what was it, a year or two ago? Yeah, on that fourth down on the goal line, He was right? open. Yeah. He was wide open. You got to catch that ball. Lamar kind of missed it, but also you probably should catch that. You got to yeah. catch that ball if you're going to be the big safety valve tight end. You have to. Yeah, I agree. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, you go down the list. A lot of other tight ends in the league would have caught that ball. I, I could not could not agree more. Uh, hit number three here. I've said for years since he was in L.A., Jared Goff is not the problem, especially in Detroit. Jared Goff is not the problem. Actually, in Detroit, he's been the solution to a lot of their problems. It's not the offense I worry about. They've been a top 10 to 12 offense almost the entire time he's been there. What, two years now? The defense can't stop it's a the, nosebleed. It's the secondary for sure. It's bad. Uh, and now they're in conversation with making Jared Goff a slightly more long-term deal, right? Nothing crazy like, you know, six, seven years, but, you know, three, four-year deal. I'm here for it. I think he's a top 10 quarterback, especially with the line that they have. Mm-hmm. I think if they can protect Jared Goff, keep him upright, which they can, he could be a top 10 to 12 quarterback. And I think in the NFC, that could be enough, right? Who knows with Stafford coming off an injury? You could look up in a year and a half and Stafford be out of the league or a really, really not good quarterback. You could look up in a year and be like, Jared Goff's the second best quarterback in the NFC. There's already an argument for it. Yeah. I think right now, for me, with Kyler being out, Stafford, I'm not sure what the injury will we'll exclude him. It's Hurts. And then, to me, it's... Is it Dak and Jared Goff? Or, or two and three, you could argue each one. And then Kirk Cousins, maybe, then somewhere Kirk, in there. Kirk, maybe a four. Derek Carr, five. Like we, We've talked about it. The NFC is not loaded when it comes like to Jared quarterbacks. Like, Jared Goff's a top... Three at bare minimum, at worst, a top three NFC quarterback. Yeah, that's plenty good enough. Yeah, and and if he can stay away from sending risky texts to uh, Dan Campbell's wife this time, it'll be a business. Interesting. <laughs> Miss number three here. <laughs> uh, you know we, I've said that the NFL, or I'm sorry, not the NFL, the MLB umpires, they're not great, but it's a really tough job. I've always kind of given them the, given them the benefit of the doubt, right? The zone. I mean, like you're talking inches here and there. The ball's spinning, the ball's moving, it's dropping, like. I get it. It's a really tough job. So I've always given them the benefit of the doubt. But this season has been next-level abysmal. It's, it's been it's really been downright bad. embarrassing. Not only the calls, but to me it's the awful ejections and the the interactions yeah. between coaches, players, and umpires. Yeah. It's been terrible. I mean, Sheldon is talking to a different umpire, and another umpire throws him out. Utterly ridiculous. That series in Tampa Bay, I'm not saying that's the reason they lost, but that was an embarrassment for the league. I mean, that is one where if you're in the league office, you got to sit down, you got to watch a tape because that entire series was an utter embarrassment for the for the Major League Baseball. I mean, it was terrible. It, it, it's embarrassing. They should look into it. I, I don't know what I'll say. I'm not saying that the Pirates win a game or even any of the games with better uh, umpiring. But it's embarrassing. They, they weren't even given a shot in a couple of games. Well, there has to be some level of consistency, right? Especially it, when it comes to ejections, when it comes to anything like that, there has to be consistency. Uh, there has to be that threshold that you have to hit to get ejected. Because mass ejections are just... It, it really just makes the game something that it isn't. And it takes no. it takes a lot of momentum away from teams. Um, and when it comes to the strike zone... There has to be consistency. I don't care if you're going to give it them an inch or two. You, don't, you can give them an inch or two, but keep it consistent. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. It's just something needs to be done. You're right. The consistency is is something that 
he's to, needs to get better, point blank. Yeah. Uh, guys, that's it for the first segment. On the other side of the break, we will have our draft grades uh, for NFL teams, and then we will have the news to round out the second segment. And it's going to be a good one, so don't go anywhere. All right, we are back. Second segment, the issue. The 11th of, what, May now. Uh, weather's certainly fine. Starting to finally break. Getting warm. Shorts are a staple in the uh, in the wardrobe now. Sweatpants are going a little bit by the wayside. It feels good. Uh, thanks for stopping and making us part of your day. Um, no, no matter where you're listening, watching, whatever. We got, what, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Amazon Prime Video. We got Apple Podcasts. We got... Uh, Amazon Music. We got uh, I don't know you. What are the Google. pocket pocket podcasts? I mean yeah, Google everything. Podcasts, everything. iTunes. You can find us pretty much anywhere. The issue sports. We got a sweet little logo on there. Go check it out. Um, but anyway, we appreciate you stopping and listening this segment. We're gonna have the AFC offseason grades. We're gonna split it AFC NFC AFC this week NFC next week. I feel like it's only right. Yeah, we'll start with the AFC because it's better, uh, and Pittsburgh's in it. It's a hometown team, and it's the much better conference. Uh, and then we'll kind of you know dump on some teams in the NFC because I do think it's interesting, and we'll talk about this next week too after we do the NFC, and we'll kind of compare uh, the disparity between the two and the grades. I think I'm going through here, and I'm like, there's not a ton of Cs. There's no Ds in the AFC. I'm looking off the top of my head, right, thinking NFC like we did a couple already. There's going to be some Cs, low-end Cs, maybe even a D. So it's like... The disparity, and, and you see it with the talent level as well, right? It's very clear that the AFC is much better. Better quarterbacks, better weapons, right? I, mean, we, I think we did the quarterbacks, um, and what well, we did the top 10 AFC, it looks like the top 10 in the league, period. So it's like, uh, it, it makes a ton of sense that the grades would reflect that because I think the GMs are better, the front offices are better, and it's relaying to better talent. So, nonetheless, we'll have sports news after that. Um, so, without further ado... Let's get right into uh, the draft grades for the 2020 or 2023 NFL draft. And offseason as well. In the offseason in the AFC. Let's go. Let's go and start with the AFC North and with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to give them an A-. Now, I do think they addressed every major need right yeah. now. So they needed another defensive lineman. They go get Keanu Benton in, I think, the third round. Right? They obviously needed an offensive lineman, Broderick Jones. We get him in the first round. I think he's going to start day one. I don't think he's got the ceiling of, like, um, I, like the uh, the Paris Johnson tackle from Ohio State. Like I don't think he's got that ceiling, but I think you could look up at in, in 10 years and be like, damn, he was a really good B-plus, A-minus starter for the last 10 years, right? And yeah. that's the kind of guy Pittsburgh needs. Um, I like the Joey Porter pick. Again, I don't think he's going to be a stud, but we got nobody at DB, so I think he's going to be very, very productive. And he's going to be a lot closer, like a Trayvon Diggs big play, but also maybe a big big miss uh, on some of the plays, getting burned deep. We needed a rotational edge rusher. I like the Herbig pick. Um, so uh, all in all, I think Pittsburgh had a really nice draft. Offseason acquisitions as well. You go get Isaac uh, Samalo, I want to say his name is. Uh, I, I probably butchered it, but the guard from Philly. Yeah. Very good guard, veteran guy, going to come in, start immediately. Um, so I think I think Pittsburgh gets an A minus here. I think so too. And the Joey Porter pick, I think he can, has a lot of room to grow into that role. Too. I, I agree. Yeah, uh, I, agree. I think the first season to two seasons might be a little bumpy, but I think after you get through that, I think the size, the length, he's still like learning how long he is and learning how to yeah. use that size and learning sure. how to use his body. So I think he's somebody that can really grow into a good role there. Couldn't agree more. Baltimore, I'll give a B. So I think first of all. You need a quarterback in this league. We know that you were able to get a quarterback. Do I think you overpaid a little bit? Yeah, but I mean, 
sometimes you got to overpay for good things. And I think without him, you're not a competitive team in the AFC. And so I get it. And let's be real. Lamar's special. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Lamar's a top 10 quarterback. And then Absolutely. They, then they Absolutely. go and add a, uh, good weapons. They're good. They're really good, good weapons. Um, have the potential to be great, but also have the potential to be bad. So we'll put them at good for now. Right. There are just those looming concerns with them. I, I think, think that's why they're not higher in the grade. But I think B is a very solid offseason. You got better. Uh, and let's see let's see how it translates to the field. Cincinnati will go A-. minus. Um, look, I didn't mind their draft at all. I thought it was a really, really productive draft. They get starters. Um, they get the edge rusher. They go get another receiver. Like I, I like their draft a ton. Uh, now, they might have to move off T. Higgins. We'll see. Uh, Joe Mixon in the offseason has been a little bit bumpy. That's why they're not a little bit higher. Um, but they go get an offensive lineman. They go get a wide receiver. They go get some defense, right? Like they're supporting Joe Burrow, and that's obviously what you have to do. They exercise the fifth option on him. Uh, they re-signed a bunch of good, like, rotational pieces, right? Good, like a good veteran linebacker. Yeah. A good, they got like a good veteran safety. Not now they lose Jesse Bates, but they go get a good productive safety. So it's just little moves like that. A minus for Cincinnati. They're being very uh, calculated. In- calculated, and they haven't been. It's been Cincinnati. Right. And it's kind of a newer thing that we're seeing there. And I think Zach Taylor has a lot to do with that. He's been great there. Yeah, I agree. Cleveland, we can kind of speed by. If you go watch the video where we talked about, uh, you know, winners and losers of the draft, Cleveland was a loser. We'll give him a C here. Uh, I didn't I didn't love their draft. I didn't think they did a ton of things outside of the draft as well. They didn't have a ton of picks either because they gave a bunch up for Deshaun. Well, then they drafted a backup. Like, they drafted, they drafted somebody a backup that is going to be a backup quarterback. Yeah, so not, not a huge not a huge win. Not a terrible loss, I guess. We'll give them a C. So we wanted the AFC South. I think the Jags get a B plus. So, first of all, they get Calvin Ridley back. Now, that was last offseason, but he couldn't play. So, we'll, we'll give it this offseason, the grade. It'll roll over. Um, again, supporting... Trevor Lawrence. They go get a tackle to protect him. They get weapons for him on the outside. Yeah. Um, Evan Ingram. They re-sign right. So they they're making they're they're making sure that Trevor Lawrence has everything he needs to succeed. Because if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you have nothing. You have to make that work. And and they have a quarterback. And once you find your quarterback, you have to do everything to make them comfortable. Everything yeah. you can. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. I think so. Colts, I'm going to give a B minus. I thought Levis was a better better prospect than Anthony Richardson. Uh, so they're going to go get Richardson. They didn't acquire a ton of talent on the outside. They don't have a lot of guys to throw to. Um, but also, they did get some nice core pieces. So I, a B minus for the Colts feels right. I 100% agree with that. I like the coaching hire as well, so that's good. Houston, I'm going to go give an A minus. I think they got I think they got two of the top five players in the draft. Now, yeah, I know they gave up a little bit to do it. I'm fine with that, though. If you can go get your edge rusher for the next six years, and even C.J. Stroud's not a home run forever, if he can come in and complete 64% of his throws, I don't know, 18 touchdowns, nine picks as a rookie, they're going to be a much, much better team. Uh, this is a sneaky team where they could double their win total. Now, that's not a lot because it's three wins. <laughs> so they could go get they, – could they go win six games? Yes, it's a step in the right direction. I love the D'Amico Ryan's hire, even though he's defensive. I think he brings an aura similar to like a Mike Tomlin where he could turn it around, big culture guy. So I'll give Houston an A minus here. Yeah, I like that. And it's something in the right direction. I mean, they've just been plummeting now for what, two, three seasons? So, Pretty much, yeah. So finally finding a semblance of a, of a step in the right direction is good. Yeah, I agree. Titans, I'll give a C plus. I didn't, you know, I think Skaronsky's a decent pick. I think he's going to project more as a guard, though, than anything. So how highly do we value guards? I mean, they need an offensive lineman, period, so I guess that's good. Um, but again, how highly do we value uh, guards in the NFL? Not very highly. And I think 
The Will Levis pick's okay, but can tr- trying to convince yourself that Ryan Tannehill is still going to be your quarterback is a little bit ridiculous. I would I would have tried to wheel and deal him and move him. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you could have got, maybe a third. Uh, but at this point, your, your, your roster needs talent, and I think a third would have been decent. Um, also... I'm torn on do we do we do they deal Henry? Do they keep Henry? I think he's aging, so I think you could maybe move off him while the stock is still a little bit up and go get some draft capital yeah. and invest on the outside. They might have the weakest receiving the receiving room in the league. Uh, and in a perimeter league, that's not good. Defense is still bad, so for me it's a C plus. And he very Derrick Henry had a very quietly one of the worst years of his career this last year. Which um, is still saying something that it wasn't even that bad of a season either. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but I mean he is you can on see an apparent the, down grade now. He's just sliding he's on the, he's on the further slope. and further and further down every single year. Um, he's out of his prime. And, and you have to be able to realize it and not have that sentimental value with every single player on the team. You know, we Belichick and the Patriots have been a great example of this. It doesn't matter who it is. As soon as they start sloping down, deal and go get somebody while you can still get value for that person. Yeah. Uh, if you hold on to Derrick Henry too long, my fear is that you're going to lose all value in them, and you're not going to be able to get anything. Yeah, that's fair. Let's move on to the AFC East here. Let's go with Buffalo. I'm going to give them a B. I like the Kincaid pick, but on the outside, they're still a little bit limited outside of Stephon Diggs. I don't trust Gabe Davis as a, as a reliable two. I think he's more of a three on a championship team, which that's the aspiration for Buffalo. Yeah. I like the Osiris Osiris Torrance pick as a guard. I had a first-round grade on him. He slips to the second for Buffalo, so that's a nice pick up there. Um, but another underrated thing, Leslie Frazier, their DC, is taking the year off. I don't know what... Probably maybe something personal, or maybe they decided we're going to try somebody else. I don't know. Uh, it said on their website that they he's taking a break. Whatever. Not my problem. But that's nonetheless, that's a problem, right? He's a really, really good high-end defensive coordinator, yeah. and it's a really high-end defense. So do they maybe take a step back? Who knows? Josh Allen was regressing last year, so we'll give him a B for now. And with Brian Dable not being there, we could see how the pieces were kind of missing this last season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially on those important downs, on third downs. And, and then even when uh, they would try to construct something that was kind of supposed to be really intelligent and you know intricate, it kind of fell apart. Because yeah, when you yeah. don't have a great mind like that in the building anymore, you can see things start to fall apart. So unless they can kind of find something to put that back together, it could get a little bit ugly there. Okay, let's go Patriots C+. I love the uh, the Bill O'Brien move. I like the Christian Gonzalez pick. Outside of that, they drafted like a kicker, a punter, <laughs> a couple gadget guys who literally under their position is listed wide receiver slash punt returner. If you're listed as a slash, you should not be drafted. I'm just saying, unless you're like a Desmond Howard, Devin Hester type player, yeah, um, which I don't think either of them are considering they were like sixth and seventh round picks. Uh, so again, a little bit of a puzzling draft, a lot of centers and kickers punters right so did they address some needs yes did they get decent players yes but did they get better at the glaring weakness which is they have no offensive speed no they did not for that it's a c plus and well you can't forget that because bill belichick has so much power in the drafting process and he has his hand in everything there you never really see a good draft from the patriots not as of late no not in the last six seven years i was gonna say half a decade close yeah uh, Jets, we're going to go A- minus based solely on the fact that you needed a quarterback, you got an MVP Hall of Fame level quarterback. Is he is he on the downward slope of his of his career? Of course. Absolutely. Of course he is. is. He, could he still be really productive? Is he still really talented? Absolutely. I think he's going to... For sure. And now it might take some time with the young receivers, but we know Aaron always comes out with a vengeance when stuff like this happens, right? They draft Jordan Love, wins MVP, right? So like... Kind of feels a little bit dissed by the fan base, moves to a new place, has to prove himself. Could we see an angry, you know 
highly motivated Aaron. I think we do. I think he's got a good season. A minus for that. And my question is, how long does that last? And, Maybe and a year or two, that but that's you? okay. Yeah, I think it gets them into playoff contention, which is I mean, they win. They win seven games with negative contributions from their quarterbacks last year. Right. So you're gonna see an you're gonna see an improvement this year, and that's yeah. not a shock to anybody. Yeah, and I do like the Alan Lazard pickup too. I think he's a really good two or a three. Closer to three. All right, Dolphins, I'll give a B. I like the Jalen Ramsey pickup. Uh, but, again, drafting a bunch of running backs. The running back room is like six running backs deep at this point. And that's like, not what they need. That's not need, their identity. They need offensive linemen, and they need linebackers. And they didn't get either of them. Uh, so, I, the, the Dolphins, uh, a B. Like, I like the swing with um, – I like the addition of Vic Fangio, the D.C., and I love Jalen Ramsey as the pickup. Those two combined are going to make that defense a lot better. But, again, on offense, I think you needed some more core pieces, like in the middle of your offensive line. Uh, along with maybe some linebackers on defense, but they didn't get that, so we'll give them a B. And a big part of grading your draft is how well you stick to your identity and what you do well. We didn't see much of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, AFC West here. I think this might be the strongest uh, offseason division-wise. So the Chiefs, I'll give a B, which is actually the lowest of it, but it's not a bad B. They just didn't do anything flashy, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't mind the first-round pick. I thought there were better players available. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I'm going to butcher it. He's a defensive lineman. I don't hate the pick itself. I like the Rasheed Rice pick, the wide receiver from SMU as the second rounder. That's a really nice pick. Um, they're going to have a lot of speed. Him, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, Travis Kelce, right? They have a lot of speed on offense. But again, they didn't do anything super flashy, so for that, we'll give them a B. Chargers, I think A. I think this is the highest grade we have here in the AFC, a flat A, not an A-. minus. The Kellen Moore pickup is massive. Yeah. Is they haven't had an offensive identity, right? It's kind of been like first half will be okay and then the wheels are going to fall off because we don't really know what we are in the second half as we get into the nitty-gritty. Can we run the football? Can we maintain clock? Can we put Justin Herbert in some better positions late in the game? They haven't been able to. That's been their problem. They lost well, by what? After they were up like 30 in the playoff yeah. game. I think with Kellen Moore, that gets a lot better. I like Quentin Johnston, the, uh, the pickup, the wide receiver. Good possession receiver for Herbert to throw to along with Mike Williams. Uh, so Chargers for me is an A. I, I agree. And you see Brandon Staley start to take a lot of uncalculated risks, especially late in the games. Uh, and I think with Kellen Moore, you kind of avoid at least some of those. Is he going to go out and take a swing and a risk every now and then? Absolutely. That's what great coaches do. But it has to be calculated. It has to be thought through. And I think he brings that side to it that they haven't and, had. And one little stat here that will show you that is that the, the Cowboys were, I think, either number one or they were top, like, they were they were top, close to the top of the league in red zone efficiency last year. They had, like, Cooper Rush starting a couple games, Dak, bunch of injuries. They had a, basically a rebuild on the offensive line. Yeah. Receiving core outside of CeeDee Lane was pretty weak. And they were really good in the red zone. So that shows that they're calculated, uh, you know, very detail-oriented. And that's what he's bringing to the table, which I think is going to help tremendously. Broncos, uh, B-plus. Sean Payton's a fantastic pickup. Outside of that, they didn't do anything that I really liked. But Sean Payton is a good enough pickup to make them a B-plus. He's a top five head coach in the league. Getting, he's a Hall of Fame level coach. Getting rid of Nathaniel Hackett was the best thing they did all offseason long. Absolutely. Raiders, <laughs> I'll give a B plus. I think it's a slight downgrade at quarterback. I like Derek Carr a little bit better than Jimmy G, but Jimmy G in big games has been very, very good. Does not lose a ton in his career when he's healthy, so that's a that's a plus. It's just how long can he stay healthy? Yeah, how long can he stay healthy? But other than that, they made a couple decent moves. Nothing too flashy, but a lot of solid moves. Um, Got a burner. I'll get a Tyree Wilson pick on the outside, uh, on the edge there for them. So, decent draft. I'll go B-plus there. I like it. 
There it is. Uh, yeah, so go check out the Instagram, guys. Uh, that whole, all the list graphics will be posted there. Uh, so go check out those draft grades and make sure you throw a like, throw a subscribe, anything to make sure that you can see the next video that comes out uh, the following week because we will be doing the NFC. But for now, we have a lot of stories to get to in the sports world. Let's get into some news. All right, story number one here. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks won, in a sense. I guess yeah, they, they won. won. I mean, they yeah. won. Did they really? I mean, look. So they had the they they were one of the worst teams in hockey this year. <laughs> so they win the NFL draft lottery. Not necessarily what you want to win, but it's a good thing, especially this year because you're basically. I mean, if they don't take Connor Bedard, they should just sell the team. Yes. 100%. For those who don't know, Connor Bedard is easily the best prospect since like a McDavid, Sidney Crosby level player. He might yeah. even be a better prospect than them. Who knows if it pans out? But he is. Other like an all-worldly talent coming out of the same area of Canada that Sidney Crosby oh, came he? from too. Yeah, did McDavid come out of there too? Uh, McDavid was close by, but not in the same. Okay, but Dard, but Dard is a lot closer to where Sidney Crosby. Close, yeah. Either way, he is that level prospect. Really, really talented. Um, and here's one of the things like, like for example, Anthony Richardson, right? Massive upside, right? High ceiling. So you could consider him a pretty talented prospect, but the production was like, eh. Bedard has the ceiling, has the pro- he's, he is a top prospect, and the production matches it. So you're like, yeah. okay, so he's got the talent, we see the ceiling, we see his room for growth, but he's also like averaging over a goal a game. You're like, there's really no nuts. downside to it's it. It's nuts. Yeah, there's no downside to it. You have to take him. Um, I don't see how you wouldn't. Now the problem is he's not going to have any talent, anything around yeah. him on that team. So. Could he kind of be, you know, out chandelier in a warehouse? Yes, <laughs> in a very, very, very empty, rundown, rusting warehouse. Could be. I mean, dude, the the Blackhawks haven't won a playoff series, okay, since they made since they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. They have not won a playoff series in wow. eight years. Wow! So I mean, it's a full rebuild, clearly. Yes, and you have to start with. Him. It's almost like it's you have to go get the star quarterback. You have to go get that star and then build around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to take some time. Like it, Just oh, because they yeah. get this big number one pick and they get that guy, uh, it doesn't guarantee anything. Unless he comes in the league and is prime Sidney Crosby, prime Connor McDavid year one, then I could see him maybe getting them close to playoff contention. But if he's well, anything less, which that's a lot of expectations, if he's anything less, then they're just not going to be. And we can't forget, hockey's not a sport, though, where, where you get one guy and that totally changes the franchise. No, he's only on the time. ice for like, a, I don't know, a fourth of the game. Yeah, yeah. so it's not like it's not like in football where you go get the quarterback and then everything else kind of falls into place sometimes, like you did with a Joe Burrow. Right. And it's not like basketball where you can go get one star and then you're good. That's the thing about football is like the star – touches the ball almost every play. Like, yeah. your star quarterback, when you're on offense, touches the ball every play. And when he doesn't, the other team's star, or at least their quarterback, touches the ball, yeah. right? Like, NBA, the star is always on the floor. There's no helmet. There's no nothing. Like, very star-driven. Then you flip over to, like, baseball and hockey, where it's like, your star gets four at-bats. You might have a, a put-out or two. Yeah. And that's it. And then in hockey, you Same get, with hockey. You get like, about, like, 15, 20 minutes out of them every game. Yeah, you'll get about 40 seconds, and then he's off. Yeah, and then and then three minutes later, another forty seconds. Then he's so it's like you don't get a ton of stars. So we'll see. All right, story number two here on to baseball. Aaron Judge off the IL had a little bit of a hip hip thing. It was only like ten day IL, so not too bad. Fantasy Good for team my looking fantasy up. team. <laughs> no, we still suck. Say. We still suck so bad. I mean, everybody's hurt, but whatever. We'll, we'll second half of the season. A lot of time left. A lot a of time. A ton left. of time, dude. Ton uh, of time. 
but for actual, you know, purposes. Like, the Yankees, are, I think, are still in last place. I don't know. Let's double check. Let's I'm double pretty check. sure they are. Uh, either way, it's good to get your star back in that sense. You need they somebody, are. especially with the, the way that they play the game and the style. They're a very slugging, slug-heavy team. Yeah. Home runs, uh, very dependent on them. And you get your home run hitter back. Yeah, they are uh, 19 and 17, so slightly above 500, but still in last place. That's a loaded division. We got the Rays at top. At uh, 29-7. Wow, that's insane. 29-7. That is crazy. Orioles shock in the world at 22-13. and 13. Blue Jays 21-14. and 14. Red Sox 21-15. and 15. And then the Yankees in the basement 10 games back of first. So is this the worst start to a season the Yankees have had? It's got to be know. up there. Standing-wise, probably. This is probably the farthest they've gotten into the season. Still in last place. Um, but the record's not awful. Like, that's the thing that's, like, so frustrating about being in that division where it's like... The record's not... They're two games below 500. Like, for example, the AL Central... The team at in fir- the Twins are in first at 19 and 16. They'd be a half game back of yep. first in that division. Yeah, you know, like even in the AL West, they would be in third. So it's like the AL East is a monster, man. Yeah, it's 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 so it's tough, but uh, still, nonetheless, they will uh, definitely look forward to getting him back. Short number three here. Um, Houston owner and the owner's wife are both denying that they forced the organization into drafting CJ Stroud. Couple things here. One. They own the team. So, like, if people are going to complain that he made them draft a quarterback, well, it's like, well, then maybe you should buy an NFL team so you can run it how you see fit. Yeah, you have a couple billion land but around. But you, like, own it. So, it's like, <laughs> do you, like, make decisions about your house? Well, yeah, because you own the property. So, you can, like, decide, mm, you know what, we're going to pave the driveway. Or, like, we're going to put in a new front door. It's like, yeah, because yeah. you own it, right? That's kind of how it goes. The owner should... and rightfully has a say if he wants to draft cj stroud within well, like in like that's kind of how it goes yeah. yeah and also like they need a quarterback like it's been mayhem since deshaun left so it's like even if he did force them to which again not a problem with that and even if you did have a problem with that it's like well they need a quarterback anyway so like what i don't understand the problem here at all uh i mean i guess just like a little bit of like overreach and to like displaying too much of like the ownership power because i mean at the end of the day they're not scouts and they're not analysts yeah they leave that up to the people that do the scouting and do the analyzing but i understand the argument from your from your point where it's like yeah you own the team you you can do what you want and, and you can also give your input and at least push a direction yeah but i don't think that a guy and his wife should be deciding the outcomes when you have GMs, you have coaches, you, you have yeah. all of that in place. But let's not act like Houston's a, a well-run team in any sense. Like, do, no, do I, I, although I, did, I didn't hate their offseason though. So, and here's but here's another thing though, is like, it's not like he was like, hey, I'm forcing you guys to draft Max Duggan in the first round. Like CJ Stroud is a bona fide first-round prospect that a lot of people could see going number one. It's not like you were like. He was like, I'm forcing us to take like an absolute project. Like Anthony Richardson. Like you're you're yeah. taking a guy that's very NFL ready, pretty polished, accurate quarterback, played in the Big Ten. Like, there's not a whole lot of problems here. Right. Story number four here. Colorado football, sixth highest bet on team to reach the college football playoff. That's interesting. They've had a bunch of people transfer out. Obviously, a bunch of people transferring in with Dion there now. Yeah. Uh, here would be my take. Is like I think it's a little bit early, right? For example, Lincoln Riley goes to to USC. Productive, but not quite a playoff team yet. Solved the offensive side of the ball. This uh, like little offseason here, he solved the defensive side. They are now ready to contend. Right? It usually takes about two years. Like One year, you're going to... Start to rebuild a side of the ball, usually the side that you're good on. So Dion probably defense. Mm-hmm. Um, solve that side of the ball. 
uh, the other side will get a little bit better, and then you solve that side, then you're ready to compete the second year. Yeah. For me, it feels like Colorado, they're going to be better defensively. Uh, his son, Shador, Shador Sanders, the quarterback, he's going to be an upgrade, so they're going to be a little bit more dynamic on offense, but not quite ready to, to compete with a, a Bama, Ohio State, Clemson. I don't know if they'll ever be because that's a smaller school, but nonetheless, I don't. I think it's one year too early. What do you think? I, I agree. I think it's going to take longer than just a season. You get a new coach, flip it, and, and you're competing for a national championship right off the bat. But I think if anything, this speaks to how effective the Dion impact and how effective the NIL has been in college football and just in college sports in general, right? If you take it back three, four, five years, you would never be talking about Colorado football competing for a national championship, no no matter who the coach was that got hired. Uh, Now that the fact that they can throw money at guys and kind of bring in the culture that they want, go get players that they were never able to get in the past. I think it changes a lot. And I think this is really, these next couple of years, they're going to be the formative years where you start seeing the NIL really shape the college football landscape because we've seen it already form basketball. Yeah. In basketball, you got the smaller rosters. You only have to put five guys out there. That's going to change a little quicker. Absolutely. But with football, now we're going to start to see some, some of those aftershocks of the NIL being in place. And it's going to change the, the landscape a little bit. And I was actually talking about this the other day with somebody. I, I don't know if Saban can keep the foothold anymore because you're already be seeing Georgia start to gear up a little bit. They're yep. going out spending more money on players. You're right. And they're starting to lose that foothold in the SEC that they've always kept because Saban was able to get the players because Saban is Saban and Alabama is Alabama. And if you're the best, you go to Alabama and you play for Saban, and then you get drafted, right? Couldn't and now you're going to see a little bit of a, of a shake-up. And I honestly think it's going to be good for the sport. You bring more fan bases in. You get the expanded playoffs. So now you're going to get... Uh, what is that? Twenty twenty five. That's kicking in. So we got two more years till that kicks in. I think it's gonna be good. I agree. I think it's been really good for the sport. What a rate! What a great riff there to end it. Nice job. Thanks. Appreciate that. Anytime. Um, but guys, that is all we have for the show today. So make sure you're going to the social media. Uh, you can find all the links in the description of the episode wherever you're watching, no matter the platform, and uh, no matter how you got here. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, subscribe, and come back next week. We're going to have another loaded show next Thursday. And that was The Issue.